I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. Good morning, Lauren. The sun is shining. It's beautiful. Although I'm currently stuck in this dark recording booth. But the sun is out. <laughs> the sun is out. Everything's covered in pollen. And I can't stop <laughs> sniffling. Uh, I've got a question for you. Okay. How do you feel about river crossings? <laughs> and I'm not talking about the ones with the bridges. I'm talking about, like, fording rivers. How do you feel about it? Oh, my God. Fitz, I feel like anyone that really knows me would immediately laugh at this question because I hate river crossings. I'm not really like a water person. I'm not that, you know, like I'm not good at swimming. I'm not that comfortable in the water. And so I basically avoid river crossings at all costs. Fair enough. Um, It's funny. I like water, but I completely concur with you. Like (laughs) I would say that uh, no one shows up for river crossings. Like no one goes, you know, no one looks in a guidebook and says like, oh, look, this says there's like five great river crossings. This is like what I want to do right now. You know, it's like we show up for the views. We show up for, uh, you know, quiet moments. But um, I don't, they're just not the best part of the whole thing, right? No, definitely not. And they like, they come in different flavors. Like there's winter creek crossings, you know, where it's like steep banks on either side. And there's like, uh, you know, there's some tough questions that get presented with it. You're like, do you go with your shoes on? Or do you go barefoot? And it's like having to choose between like wet wet oh, feet yeah. and blisters for the rest of the trip or broken toes. And you're like, neither one of those are good things, right? <laughs> um, nothing about river crossings is graceful. Have you had any memorable river crossing experiences? And certainly, I feel like you probably have. <laughs> you know, they sort of blur together. I, I definitely, when I was like 18, I had a, a really memorable one in Alaska where I just, I had never realize like how cold a big river like it wasn't super deep it was pretty fast but it was just like so cold and by the end of it just being like oh my god it was you know I just remember being like you need to hold it together you need to hold it together and I feel like most of them or at least the ones that I remember they all like occur at the like towards the end of a day or at the end of the journey where the ground you've covered is just not reversible You know, turning around is just not really an option and you get to the river and you're, it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be frightening, slightly painful, and probably powerful. And you can delay it by like waiting for the morning for the water to kind of chill out or you can suss it out more and find a different place to cross. But eventually it's inevitable. You know there's only one way forward. And That is why I think fording a river makes a great metaphor for the transitions in life. Yeah, and that's why our story today starts with a river crossing. 
And it's a very real one in the heart of Argentine Patagonia on a backpacking loop called the Waymole Circuit. It's like this difficult 40 plus mile trek. It's got stunning views, you know, infamously difficult route finding, you know, hard to travel on glacial moraines, and of course, a few sketchy river crossings. Kate and Ani Williams have been adventuring together for more than two decades. And for the better part of it, Kate's been the steady mentor, even as Ani's skills grew and flourished. But this moment on the Waymole was an inflection point for how much things have changed and how much each of them had grown. In life, there is only forward. It's always changing and evolving, and nothing is ever guaranteed. Sometimes we have to hold on to the people that matter the most to us. And sometimes... We have to figure out how to give them the space to grow. I'm Fitzcahal. I'm Lauren Delaney Miller. Kate and Ani are going to take it from here. You're listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. So I remember waking up really, really early. We had um, made our like coffee and breakfast the night before. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. We wanted to get up really early because we had this big stream crossing. We wanted to make sure that we could get there before there had been a whole lot of melt. We were leaving that campsite where there had been like the sound of icebergs calving off the southern Patagonian ice field, which was like kind of eerie, kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. A little like it's a... You can't not feel something when you hear that sound. And I remember it was also sunny. It was really windy, but it was sunny. And we'd had our first few nights, we'd had like, like the first night we'd had that spitting snow and we were really cold. Mm-hmm. And the second night we had had wind and we were really cold. <laughs> yeah. I think you warmed my feet on your belly in the tent, like every single yep. night of the trip. Yep. And we did hot water bottles mm-hmm. um, and ate like a lot of pasta, <laughs> a lot of pasta with all the water still in it because it was hot. Yeah. And we were dehydrated. And we'd had like a big day the day before, remember? So we came up over Waymole Pass and it was so steep and windy that we didn't even like want to take anything out to like take a photo. Totally. And it was like, I remember looking over and you saw really brilliant green Mm -hmm. foliage of sort of the descent that you had to do. And then this really like strikingly white ice and really blue water and just everything was like an extreme version of colors that I'd never seen in nature before yeah but it still had that feeling of like this was our last big pass and it was the pass that would take us out but that whole time we Mm -hmm. knew we had the river crossing yeah like the whole trip (laughs) we knew we had the river crossing yeah do you remember what it felt like when we came to the river we had just it was such a lovely morning really and it was just beautiful mild it wasn't windy it was like really the easiest yeah hiking we had done all along Mm-hmm. And then I do remember starting to hear the river. Yeah, it was super loud from mm-hmm. pretty far away. Yeah, which started a little bit of the drumbeat in my yeah. head. And I heart. think once we started to hear it, we kind of stopped mm-hmm. stopped talking as much and were more focused. Yeah, just yeah. ready to get through it. <laughs> yeah, and that's where we're like cut from the same cloth. I think we uh, definitely get focused in times like that. Yeah. And the, the river braided out. And there started to be that smell. So you could see the river coming out of the steep 
somewhat canyon area where it was and um you could mm-hmm. kind of smell the water rock smell cold water on rock mm-hmm. i don't know what that if that has a name <laughs> but do you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah it's different than the kind of balmier yeah. air that we had had on the hike i remember i was like stopping to take pictures of wildflowers yeah like, i wasn't doing that when we got closer yeah i remember i had de-layered to shorts and a t-shirt but when we sort of started coming to the river i remember getting colder and kind of debating putting a fleece on and putting pants back on. But then when we decided to cross, I left all my layers off because yeah. we knew we were going to get wet. And I remember at that point, the sun had risen, but it was kind of an overcast day. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like it might storm in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Or there were just kind of like denser clouds that had come in. And it felt a little ominous. Yeah, and we dropped our packs and walked like up and down the river I think we were hoping it would braid out more and we'd be able to just cross some smaller streams but we could hear the water sounding big and I do remember my like heart rate going up and the water was really cloudy like it was blue and beautiful but also cloudy and we couldn't see the bottom so Mm -hmm. we weren't we weren't really sure what we were getting into until we got into the river. Yep. And we threw some boxes yeah. in. Oh, yeah. They were definitely getting swept down. Yep. I think we'd walked up and down and kind of found a section that was a little wider and we thought a little less steep than the other sections. But I think we sort of did enough scouting that it was there then just came a moment where it was like, we just need to cross this river. Like, this yep. is what's standing between us and finishing yep. this loop. Yep. And we just need to go. I honestly don't remember why I felt like I needed to go first, but I remember being like, Mom, I I have to do this first. I think we were both aware that it was going to be a hard river crossing, and I remember checking that my waist belt was unbuckled, so if I did fall in, I could easily get Mm -hmm. out of my pack. And I took your trekking pole, which I normally don't use, and... Yeah, and then I just remember, like, tying my hiking boots tighter and tucking the laces in (laughs) and then just getting in the river. I remember the water being really cold, but it sort of was one of those things that I registered, but it didn't matter in a way that it would have mattered if it wasn't really high stakes. Like, it was sort of like, oh, this is cold, but whatever, I'm focused. And it got deep really quick. Yeah, the water's, like, up to my waist or above my waist, and the rocks underneath my feet are moving. Like, not be, like, partly because I'm stepping on them, but also they're just, like, you know, I can feel them shifting with the current, so they're not, there's not stable ground. Like, it's hard to plant your feet. Yeah, and then pretty quickly, I was, like, in the middle of the river, and I remember looking to my left, and you were there, and you looked really freaked out. It was kind of one of those moments where you feel really, like, alone in the backcountry where you just realize that pressure's on. Like, I I don't have a huge margin for error here. Like, I have to get across kind of on my own, own two feet, literally. And the water started dropping. And, you know, then I was stepping out onto the other bank. And it felt like a, a huge relief. And I remember dropping my pack. And I'm, like, soaking wet. And my boots are soggy. And I'm, like, squelching. And, um... You know, that lasted for a fraction of a second before I look back and I'm like, well, you have to do it too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I remember my initial instinct was wanting to go back across without my pack and get your pack. And that would have made no sense. But having just done it, I was like, 
I don't want my mom to have to do this. So in a way, like we both did it twice, but once in spirit and once in person. <laughs> Cause I like, while you, in the same way that you felt like coming back, like while I was watching you, I kind of felt like with you. Mm-hmm. And I remember when that water really quickly started going up really <laughs> high. I remember seeing the uh, pole quivering in the current. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> But yeah, I, I had such like a mix of emotions because I remember watching you and being like, oh my God, she's like such a amazing, strong woman. And like, oh my God, aren't I supposed to be protecting her? You know, mm-hmm. so I had like both of those things. Like, how could I, how could I be letting you do this thing that was inherently risky? But I also like completely trusted you, which was really cool. So it's kind of interesting because it was like very much we each had to do it alone, but like the experience is totally like being in each other's heads almost. Do you remember what it felt like when you made it across? I remember that's when I started feeling other feelings, like my feet were wet, my feet were cold, you know, all of the like other emotions. Also just like elation, Mm. Um, like in that way that sometimes you kind of um, like, do I feel like laughing? Do I feel like crying? I don't know. It's like all the same, but just like that release of intensity. Mm -hmm. And I think for me that was, there was like a, metaphorical crossing of the river in a way because my whole like life as your mom it's had been my job to like keep you out of risky situations or manage the risk such that that I could keep you safe like that's my job but that's like also like sharing those experiences with you meant like inviting you into that risk Mm -hmm. and so that's interesting to think back is like by the time we got to that moment we had done enough together. And this trip was definitely a huge step up for us in terms of like getting outside together. Mm -hmm. Like we've done that a lot, Mm -hmm. but I think this trip kind of took it to another level. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Support for the diaries comes from Ketone IQ. As I've been getting more and more into longer runs and bike rides, I found myself fighting with my mind. As the miles extend, I feel like my reactions get slower and I make more mistakes, like tripping or falling or just kind of feeling slightly out of sync descending on the bike. On those big days, I've been using Ketone IQ to help my brain keep fueled and sharp. I want to have fun, not bonk. Here's the science. Ketones already exist in your body. When you push up against your boundaries, your body begins to convert stored fat into ketones, which your brain prefers consuming. With Ketone IQ, I feed my brain so my muscles can use the glucose I get from whatever else I eat on the trail. Riders of the Tour de France have been taking the same approach. I am definitely not as fast, but I can apply the same thinking. Give it a try. You save 30% off your first subscription order at ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. Once again, that's ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. The link is in the show notes. Please check it out. A lot of my desire to spend time outside and pursue outdoor adventures stems both from growing up in Vermont, but also from watching you and Pop do big outdoor things and kind of bring us into that space. And I'm curious what your trajectory was, like how you got into outdoor adventures. Yeah. You know, I've thought about that a lot and it was different for me than for you, which like is part of what shaped your experience. Cause for me, like I grew up spending a lot of time outside, like playing hard outside with my brothers in our yard before dinner kind of thing and being called in and being like dirty and sweaty and like 
we would go fishing and I remember we had a big old canvas tent and we would go like car camping, but I didn't do real like backpacking stuff. So for me, that was something I came to more as uh, like when I was 18. Five days after I graduated from high school, I did a Knowles National Outdoor Leadership School course in um, the Wind River Wilderness. And it was hard and things went wrong, like in all ways. One of our instructors broke his leg and we had to evacuate him. And this was before cell phones or sat phones or any of that. So we had to send out a runner party and then have another group go um, to start setting up a camp at a pass where we could have a um, helicopter come in. And so I was told like, hey, Kate, you 18 year old are going to lead the rest of the group from here to the pass. And then you're going to stamp out the helicopter pad. And I remember kind of having one of those moments of like looking over my shoulder, like, are you talking to me? Because I just felt like I don't, I didn't know. I don't know how to do this. But then I realized like, actually I did. And it was the first time I had been given like really real responsibility. And it was so awesome. And um, I remember after the helicopter came in and got the instructor, like all of the evacuation worked. And this was like a 48 hour experience. And I remember standing on this pass, watching the helicopter take off. And it sounds, this sounds a little bit like, you know, cue the violin music, but this was really what the moment was like. It was sunset and this helicopter was taking off and I was standing in this pass and my boots had frozen the night before. And so they're all wet and we'd come up this snowy pass and we still hadn't gotten food. So I was like really hungry and we'd barely slept. So I was really tired and like objectively like did not feel great, but I was so psyched because it was so real and I just, it was so beautiful and I was so connected to my group, and I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. My first career chunk was being an outdoor educator, and I did that in Albuquerque, New Mexico, at a school. And that was when Rob and I got married, and we got married pretty young, really young. I now know. I didn't think so at the time, but now I'm aware we did. <laughs> I was 25 and um, I was caving and climbing and paddling and skiing in Santa Fe and Taos. And like, it was an awesome time. And we were married for seven years before, before having kids. And we, um, we did a lot and really enjoyed it. And so I think we were really ready and it rocked our world. <laughs> um, but I think it rocked our world and pretty quickly we like incorporated you in. And I don't think that I felt like I was missing out on big adventures. I think it was really a shift in figuring out how to have adventures. So in ways that like continue to be part of our life. So I remember when I was pregnant with you, um, skiing into a hut at 11,600 feet in Chama. And like the next year with your friend, Catherine, who you now have adventures with, we went into that same hut and we brought you both in and like we had you in a backpack and a front pack and you know we definitely didn't do all of the same activities that we would have done but we got there and like we had that experience and like a lot of it you know it was like the bunk beds were like a rumpus room for you guys but it was like great to get out there and um so I don't know in a way there was like a gift of having a transition in how I interacted with the outdoors from it being big weekend adventures to 
more consistent everyday adventures. And like truly it was so much fun and such a joy to like live in a place, which is, you know, we moved when you were two to a place where we really truly had backyard wilderness. So we could like go walk along the river. And I think I just, I don't know, during that phase, I think I connected more to like an intimate outdoors or just the like walking a mile and building a pile of rocks along the river. And I think as you guys got a little older and we could start introducing you to activities again, like continuing to make sure we weren't trying to have our athletic or exercise needs met at like at a time when we were introducing you to an experience was one of the like few core tenets of our parenting. And I think it was really critical because then if the like extent of the outdoor activity was getting your snowsuit on and like going out the door and then you wanted to come in and go to the bathroom and have hot chocolate, I was like, all right, <laughs> that is fine. We have just had an outdoor experience. You know, if a hike was really, really short, but we could just like take however long it took and stop and look at stuff along the way. It's like, fine. I don't need, like, I already went for a run. Mm -hmm. And like, to be really clear, sometimes like you guys made me absolutely crazy. So I don't want to come off as sounding like I was all Zen all the time. I mean, I know you probably remember those times when it was, Mm -hmm. you know, we would all like lose our minds a little bit, but Mm -hmm. like for the most part, I think I was just so grateful that at your early ages, you were having more experience than I had had, not because I loved my childhood, but it was just like, I was able to share what I loved with you. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think your patience with us really paid off because I don't remember ever feeling any pressure to like go outside in a certain way. I remember doing lots of short river walks. I remember, I mean, I remember like just sitting on the porch and reading my book in the hammock. Our, Our theme at that point was backyard wilderness. We felt like we'd been living in a place where we had big wilderness that we had to work a little harder to access you know, which we could when we didn't have kids, it was really like, super easy to go do a big weekend. But, um, you know, with you, we, we felt like we wanted just more everyday wilderness. And so that's really what we saw it. And so we found a house and at the dead end of a dirt road, ultimately we built a house and, um, it was in the Mad River Valley in Vermont. I sort of feel like, I don't think I appreciated backyard wilderness until I didn't have it. I think I grew up totally taking for granted living in a place where every Wednesday, everyone at my elementary school would go up to Sugarbush Ski Resort and ski. And that was something that the mountain just gave to all people that lived, like all the kids that lived in the town. And so that was sort of just a constant in my young life was getting to ski with all my friends on Wednesdays. And in the summer, there were a million and one swimming holes up and down the valley that we'd go explore and there's this big covered bridge right in downtown Waitsfield. You know, you can jump off the bridge or you can jump off a rock near the bridge. And and we grew up on a yak farm. So for eight years, we had anywhere from 50 to 70 yaks. And um, my brother and I spent a lot of time running around the yak pastures, just kind of tagging along with my parents as we fed and watered and hayed and did all the things. I just felt like this, I remember it felt like almost like a pressure in my heart to like make sure we were doing the bigger stuff together that I knew we could Mm -hmm. and that we were capable of. And so my job at that time was um, running the uh, nonprofit called the Northern Forest Canoe Trail. And so I was exposed to and had access to a lot of paddling opportunities. And we had some good friends locally at the time. And I remember 
through just some family conversations, we decided to do some paddling together and through a connection and wonderful mentor, Clyde Smith, that I met through my job, we got access to this paddle access pond in the Adirondacks called Bear Pond. And we, I remember we did our first canoe trip over to Bear Pond. It was like a two hour drive from our house. And then literally like a 45 minute paddle with two very short portages to Bear Pond with this like lovely established campsite. And, you know, we adults subsequently learned like, oh, look, (laughs) there's a trail. We could like walk back to our cars right there. But the experience of getting there felt like this really big adventure for all of us and, you know, adults as well. But like definitely you kids felt like we were like like way out there. And it was such a like became such a special place because we could go on a weekend, but we could really have that feeling of being out Mm -hmm. there. Maybe something I'm sitting here thinking about is one of the most important threads through all of it. It was bottom line. It was just like the thing I loved most. I knew Mm -hmm. I was my best self in those environments so that pressure that like pull to sharing what I love most and creating the space for you to experience that love and to for you to experiencing experience me in where I think I'm at my best you know that feels important and that like then for me creates again the question of like like what risk like how you know because there's a certain degree to which the um like stretching myself in situations is where that best self emerges. I think that's true for a lot of people, but, you know, for me, that's like what I've often experienced in the outdoors is that like when you think it's beyond what you're capable of and then you find that you're capable of it, this like incredible like strength emerges. Um, Is that worth the risk? Mm -hmm. Sort of you answer the question differently when it's just for yourself than when it's for you with your daughter Mm -hmm. I just knew that that was so important to me and so the Mm -hmm. opportunity to you know share that with you and create that opportunity for you and Theron and for us as a family all four of us was really important but I do wonder about that like uh what is it that is so special about these experiences because they continue to stand out for me as like the best vacations and you know and mm-hmm. like some people probably wouldn't call them vacations because they were like hard work, but they were the best times. And I think they're, you know, for me, it was like that back to that 18 year old experience of like, so falling in love with wild places. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is in a way, like we live most of our lives experiencing the world as though we're not connected to it and not part of nature, which I don't think is true. And so I think in those, on those kinds of experiences, we're living as though we are connected to nature Mm -hmm. with all the risk. And maybe that's, Mm -hmm. maybe that's in a lot of ways, like what makes the risks. Okay. Like being in that river together, it's like, we're part of that river. That is an expression of how we are not separate from nature is like being in those places where we feel all of the turbulence that's in our bodies and in the world. And well, I think trips like the canoe trips we did, and trips I seek out now force us to tune into our environments. I think, you know, you can't be on a river and not notice how it flows and like literally follow the direction that the river is taking you, you know, like you don't paddle upstream, you paddle with 
the river. And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's really special to kind of be in a situation or to, to find yourself in a situation where there's a lot of responsibility for kind of being connected to the things around you. And I think by virtue of that, you're also connected to the people you're with when you're on these trips, you know, like you're sort of all, you're all in it together. But I think what's, what's something that's interesting to me is that, so we did a lot of outdoor trips growing up, but I feel like when I sort of got to high school and did, was more competitive and organized sports and then went to college, I sort of I don't think this was intentional, but I sort of started wanting to do trips on my own. And yeah, I don't think that was like intentionally pushing you away. I think it just felt like a natural progression of sort of like, I want to take on more responsibility. And I don't think I knew how to do that with you guys when I was sort of just in the process of figuring out how to go outside and plan these bigger adventures on my own. And I think the way more was really special because it was kind of the first time when I was an adult that we were able to go on a trip together. I'm curious how it makes you feel to like watch me be scaling up some of the risks that I'm taking in different activities. Like, you know, I was skiing in avalanche terrain yesterday and I climb a lot outside and I was in a, you know, involved in a climbing accident a couple of years ago and you had to come to the hospital to help me out. And um, like, how does that make you feel as a mother? Yeah, it's a good question. Two parts to my answer. One is, um, like, I so love seeing you be so strong and confident in yourself and, like, such a avid learner of new skills. You know, having known you for your whole life, um, <laughs> I know that you didn't know all of these things and that we didn't. Oh, I knew none of it. Yeah, of course. But that we didn't, we weren't the ones to teach you all of these things. Like, I didn't teach you how to climb you decided you wanted to learn that and you went after it. And I love that. I love that you like pursued that because I know um, there's real power in picking and then pursuing the things that you want to develop competence in. So I, you know, I really love seeing that and, you know, like feel, I always want to protect you, but I have, have not yet felt like I've seen you putting yourself in situations where I don't think you're like developing the confidence to go with it, which doesn't mean I don't think there's risk. I mean, you and I have shared in experiences where like, even though we have the confidence, we know we're exposing ourselves to objective risks that we need to, you know, be able to respond to, but that, you know, are significant, like the river crossing in the way So that's like one part of it. The other part of it, and this probably feeds into it is one thing I've realized, like in reflecting on some of this is when I was your age, I moved West, like almost exactly the same age as you have done the same thing. And like, you know, I grew up outside of Boston, you grew up in Vermont and like in both cases, you know, for me, it was, I wanted to be closer to bigger mountains, you know, so it was very much about being in a place where I could sort of live slightly bigger adventures. During that time, my dad had a heart attack when I was graduating from college. He wasn't able to come to my college graduation. And I don't think I was fully aware of this at the time. I've really only become aware of this about myself, like recently on really reflecting on it and seeing you move West, honestly, has given me a chance to reflect on that. And, um, you know, realizing that there was in me a feeling of, I need to stay a little safer because I have experienced this 
you know, my dad might not be around. I, I think I felt like a, a, some instability. And I also sort of realized, here come the tears. Um, I realized that uh, my brothers in, high, when I was in high school, basically were really, I thought they were gonna die. Um, they were like doing a lot of drugs and you know, we, you know them well and we love them and they're fine and you know, our best people, but I, they had been my sort of closest partners in crime when I was a little kid. And then they turned into these people I didn't fully recognize in certain ways, even though I recognized them at the core. And I thought that they were gonna die. You know, it was a really, really unstable time. And I don't remember this, but I said to my dad, like, don't worry, dad, I'll be good. And that was my narrative for a long time is like, I'll be good and I'll hold things together. And that's, I sort of have had a like, I'll be the rock. And mm -hmm. I love that about myself, but I also, and I'm, I'm glad for all that that has given to my birth family and our family. And I'm also, and it's also inherent to who I am. So there's, it's not like it was a big stretch, but there was also some limitation and constraint in that because I think I felt like, I don't know this to be true, but I think when I really reflect on the narrative, there may be some risks I didn't let myself take because I needed to be good. I needed to be the glue. Not regretfully, but like with kind of honestly some compassion for myself that I never fully gave myself, that I had some fears at that time. And mm -hmm. I don't think you'd have those. And I'm like really, really happy about that. And like to see you being able to be so free and confident and if i was able to give you some like confidence in your outdoor abilities but then also the ability to go be braver than i was i'm pretty happy about that I think I do feel a big sense of freedom and I do feel a lot of excitement when I think about tackling bigger adventures and having just moved out west I'm really excited to be back in bigger mountains and um yeah and I feel like I have so much to learn and I'm excited to just get into it and get out there and I think I owe a lot of that freedom and curiosity to you you know you were such a rock in our family growing up and you know, you've given me, like, you've given me the world, like, you've been nothing but encouraging. And, you know, you listen when I'm scared. And you, I think you protected me the right amount to expose me to risks that I wouldn't have necessarily taken on my own. But you didn't protect me so much as to make it so that I couldn't be in those situations alone. Like, you sort of gave me the skills to then go tackle things on my own terms. And I feel really grateful for that. But I think, you know, I think a tension I feel, or I guess also a fear is that I want to keep doing things with you. And I think it feels really sad that just given, <laughs> given the way that like aging and the progression of like mother daughter relationships or really any child parent relationships work is like, you know, as I'm like coming into my own and able to take on these bigger adventures, like you're moving into a different phase of life where you're doing adventures in different ways. And I don't think that means that we can't find common ground, but like we never get to be in our twenties at the same time. And like, we never get to be in our thirties at the same time. And we just never really get to be 
in the same stage of life. And I think that that feels sad. Like I feel really scared about not having you as an adventure partner or in my life at all. And um, I, I don't really know how to like confront that fear. Yeah. Um, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not old. <laughs> you're a badass. Um, I guess one thing I would challenge us to do is to make sure we don't allow a false narrative to be the one that we follow. Mm-hmm. Like, what do we want to do together? What is the next yeah. way more equivalent that's right for what we want to do? Yeah. I think a lot about how I feel like, and I don't feel like you've put this pressure on me, but I feel like I owe... Like, I owe you a really awesome trip where I do all the heavy lifting and, like, I haul the canoe and I do the two-mile portage by myself, you know, because you did that for us. And now I get to go be free with those skills. And I want to, you know, like, I think I feel some responsibility to be like, you provided so much and created so much for me that I, like, the least I can do is give a fraction of that back. And I know that you're not asking for it back and you wouldn't expect that. And So I don't say that out of obligation, more just like, I would love to plan a trip where like, I do the planning and I go to Costco and I lay everything out in the garage and I count the Welsh's fruit snacks and I pack the car and I drive and I hang on to the maps and that would be, well, that would be fun. I also think we have this cool opportunity now to do some co-planning and like similar to when we were on the way mole and it felt right for me to do the river crossing first. Like, I think there's some instinct to it where you know, I think there's not a clean passing of the torch here. Like, I think we could go on a backpacking trip tomorrow and there would be things that I would be more competent at. And I think there would be other things that I would completely defer to you on. I think that that's not something we, we like, will ever know what that looks like before we go on a trip. It's something we'd figure out every time. Mm -hmm. I look forward to sort of continuing to appreciate each other's badassery, even as it evolves. Mm -hmm. What does it feel like to kind of like let me go? It's pretty rugged. I'm not going to lie. And it's interesting to be doing, having this conversation right now because you moving out here, like I kind of feel like this is it. Not like this is it for us, but more like this is your big move. Like I see you falling in love with this whole new chapter, which is the best. And I wouldn't want anything else for you. Truly. And, you know, I have an awareness that it is a um, moment when our relationship shifts and it's all like right and good, but there is a letting go. I think we've done letting goes before and this is the next one. And I think um, we just like we're in it and we get to figure out sort of what it looks like. And um, but it's it's not easy, but it's also like, right. Basically, you're my heart, like you're part of my body. So like that the moment you were born, I had to like accept that a part of my heart was always going to be walking around outside my body. And for, you know, the first part of life you're pretty close at hand and I can like enfold you um but that's not forever and it shouldn't be forever but that doesn't mean that I don't kind of feel like there's a piece of my heart out there in the world that is the best part and 
you know, it's rugged. It feels like the river crossing was this turning point of sort of, we shared this trip as peers. Like, I think it was the first trip we did where we were like backcountry partners more so than you leading me. And I think it was the first time I felt like I was with you and I wasn't deferring to you to be the leader on everything. And I think that feels like exciting. And I also feel a sadness too, because I'm going to miss you reading Harry Potter out loud intense to me. So I think even though I do feel a lot of freedom and excitement about what's next, like there's sadness in a different way for me and just this new sense of responsibility where I feel like more of an individual than I had to when, you know, you could paddle the boat for me or, you know, kind of when I had the illusion that you could protect me from everything that the world could throw at me. Yeah. And it was mostly an illusion. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was a good illusion because I believed it. Exactly. Yeah. We're in interestingly similar phases in our lives. I find myself now as you're kind of launching and, you know, pursuing your own adventures and sort of going big in your ways. In my own phase in life, I'm there too. Like for the first time in my life, I have, I'm, I'm free to make some decisions about the adventures I want to pursue as a 56 year old woman. You know, Mom, you're for sure my best friend. Hmm. Likewise. I love you so much. Love you to the moon, as we always say. And I really mean <laughs> that. Like, one of the greatest gifts is the relationship that we share and just its its evolution. So thank you for being who you are in my life. Yeah, thank you for creating me. <laughs> <laughs> I just so look forward to that trip and I'm happy to have you carry a little more weight. That's that's all good. <laughs> as long as you warm my feet up for me. I think I, I like when like when you do that. I need that. <laughs> you got it. And I can I'm pretty good at packing the food, so I'll take that too. Hey, give me some credit. I can pack food too. <laughs> Thank you, Kate and Ani, for sharing your stories. Right now, they're in the uh, daydreaming, planning stages, maybe, hopefully, for their next adventure. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and from you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story, please give us a shout. You can use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from Jason Tyler Burton, John Barry, and Jesse Siebenberg. The tracks are courtesy of the Artists or Track Club. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Lauren Delaney Miller with additional production help from Ashley Langholz, Becca Cahal, and Evan Phillips. Illustration by Walker Call. Becca Call is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>